Hello, and welcome to the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast. We're so glad to have you along today as we continue to discuss practical things to help you grow in your ministry leadership for your church to be effective. And today I thought we would talk a little bit about sound ministry and sound operators and worship teams working together. So we've um, pulled in Joshua Case for this podcast, as well as Clint Benish. Josh serves as the sound guy for our church, and um, he's been doing that for a while. And Clint serves as a ministry leader in our church and helps with worship in a lot of various components. And so kind of from the band perspective, thinking about how all this um, conversation might unfold. I've just talked a little bit about you guys, but if you want to just take a minute to say hi and introduce yourselves in a nutshell, that'd be great. Start with Josh. Go for it, Josh. I like, oh, Josh's, okay. I like Josh's new beard. That's oh, thank cool. you. You know, everyone's been doing the quarantine haircut, so I figured this is actually the style I had back senior year of high school, so I figured I'd just go back to that for fun, just a little bit of a throwback. Yeah, you can, but, yeah, my name... you can, you can always grow up back. Yeah, I'm got. <laughs> That's a fun thing in facial hair. You can just kind of bounce around between styles. I've done a goatee before and stuff like that. So, yeah. And Clint had quite a few pictures there he put up online when he was trying his different style, shaving it off too. So I got a good kick out of that. And now his beard's fun. coming back. So <laughs> for health reasons. <laughs> yeah, mental health reasons. <laughs> yeah, my name's Josh Case. I'm the sound tech at Troy UMC and probably been in that position for I think about a little over a year now, I think, hasn't it been? Yep. something like that it's been really fun there get to work with some great people and that's the fun thing about being sound tech in the church is you just get to be with a lot of great people all the time so and you get to go to church at least twice every sunday yeah <laughs> sometimes four times yeah sometimes four times <laughs> all right clint tell us real quick about yourself yeah my name is clint benish and uh, i've been a part of uh, the church where i'm at now with tim um and josh uh, for I think about five or six years now in various positions, uh, youth ministry, uh, preaching, and then also with the, the worship um, aspect in our tradition, contemporary service. <laughs> yeah, you traditionally are in the contemporary service. That's my tradition. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about sound ministry today because there is um, there's a, a lot of etiquette and protocol that goes into being a sound guy and doing a sound check for um, a worship team on Sundays. And so I just thought we would just um, talk about a few little components here. And, and one of them is the idea that a lot of times the sound guy, and I know this to be true for you, Josh, a lot of times you're one of the first in outside of the preacher and one of the last out. So everybody's already packed up their guitars and their microphones and whatnot. And you are um, still sitting there, got your jacket on, turning off the soundboard and so I just thought I'd um, check in with you to see um, how does that feel? How does it feel to be the Philo, the first in, last out guy at the church? You know, in some ways, it's actually almost kind of relaxing. In some ways, I get there Sunday mornings and everything's still kind of quiet and have my coffee with me sometimes. And generally what I like to do during that time is I'll go ahead and get everything set up. So that way, when the band comes in, it's a nice, easy transition for them. I'll get all the wireless in-ear packs out, laid out with all the headphones and stuff for them. I'll get all microphones set up, my soundboard all set up and stuff like that. So that way it's a pretty easy transition when they come in and we don't have much downtime at all on Sunday mornings. Yep. And, um, that could, that could lead to a lot of conversations about the schedule and everything else. But, um, 
what what is it how do you and maybe we're not the best at this but maybe a podcast will help teach us but um how do you find that out like what is needed like how do you know what's needed on sunday morning so a lot of it will already have in place on wednesday because wednesday is typically when we do our sound checks at troy umc so it'll kind of be me talking with you, Tim, and with Clint or whoever else is the worship leader and just kind of figuring out what musicians we have for that week. So from there, I'll kind of base which microphones I want to use on certain people and certain instruments. And I'll get the soundboard set up from there with all my inputs I need, the layout of where channels are and stuff like that. Yep. So that's definitely like uh, preparing beforehand. And then there's always the occasional um, issue of like flexibility because something Mm -hmm. always happens. What are those things? How do those things always happen? <laughs> like either, there's like. some event that happened before Sunday morning or whatever it is. How do you handle it when it goes awry a little bit? So for a lot of that, I've taken the time. So I sometimes they'll tell me the morning of like, oh, we have this kids choir that's singing like an hour before we actually start the service. So from there, I actually have presets already stored because we use a digital soundboard at our church. So I have presets stored for our microphone EQs and stuff so I can set up a mic and then just kind of recall those EQs so that I won't have to worry about feedback and stuff as much. And I'll have to do a little bit of tuning because stuff changes from time to time. But by having those presets and kind of like a pre-made routine and procedure to follow in place beforehand, it makes it pretty seamless for setting up a spur of the moment. Yep, that's good. So Clint, turning it to you from the perspective of a band member, yeah. what, is, what is the sound check like or what should it be like? And what are your thoughts from that perspective? Yeah. Um, well, so for a sound check for, for me, um, it's really important, um, to everyone to arrive and kind of like, just be ready. Like the first thing that's going to happen is like, is the sound check. It's kind of like the foundation. Uh, cause if it's askew or broken or whatever, if it's a mess, like it's gonna really impact the rest of the rehearsal or if it's um, for worship, it's gonna really affect the, the rest of worship whenever you guys are leading music or whatnot. Um, so really just like, uh, you know, talking to Josh, listening to Josh um, whenever he's talking to the different musicians in the band, um, that's the communication of, hey, what do you guys need? What can I give to you? And really just, um, you know, we kind of go through uh, one at a time and, and get those things. And, um, you know, so if everybody just respects that time and allows it to like transition well, you know, not playing drums or guitar or singing or whatever it might be to cause distractions, um, it makes that go quicker so that we can actually jump into uh, rehearsals where we're, then we're running through the songs, so. Yeah, so it's the, the noodling around during sound checks. That's definitely uh, like a, a hard thing to teach because sometimes you can say it a million times and then you find yourself, you're the one noodling around during the sound check. And so it's hard to just <laughs> tell people no, but yeah. in general, um, who is driving the sound check? How does that seem to work, Josh? In some ways it's almost a two part process. So at the very beginning of it, and every church does this kind of differently, all your different sound engineers have their own personal preference, how they like to do stuff. What I like to do is I'll kind of like to start and just go person by person to have them play a little bit, sing a little bit, just to make sure I'm getting some sort of signal from their microphone and making sure that they can hear themselves in their in-ear monitors. And then from there, once everyone's kind of at a stage where they can hear each other, then we'll generally run through a song, 
And then from there, after that first song, I'll go through again and ask them, okay, do you need more of this, less of this? And just kind of get a feel for what they need. And I usually have a pair of in-ear monitors back at the soundboard too, and I'll listen in each of their channels. So for some of the maybe lesser experienced musicians who aren't used to building in-ear mixes, I'll kind of listen in and maybe give some feedback what I think would be good for them and kind of tune things based on what they're saying, because sometimes they might not necessarily know what they're hearing exactly. Yep. Yeah, and sometimes, um, you know, you will be, and I appreciate, you know, you being able to talk to us through the, through the monitors. And sometimes you'll be, um, you know, directing people, hey, can I hear from so-and-so, can I hear from so-and-so? And so the two-part process, that is true. Then, then every once in a while, I'm kind of the translator or whoever's leading worship is the translator or, you know, whoever has a mm-hmm. microphone because you got to sort of, you know, see the guy back there that doesn't have a microphone waving his arms and, oh, this guy on bass needs more of this or more of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and even sometimes when, when, especially when there's chaos of any kind, you sort of have to stop everybody, pull everybody together and say, all right, everybody calm down. We're going to quietly and efficiently do a sound check here. So sometimes somebody else has to, you know, kind of make that happen. Right. And, and for us, we're pretty fortunate in the sense that our setup stays relatively similar week to week, meaning we don't have to strike stuff. So generally, like sound checking drums and stuff, I only have to do that maybe once a few months or however often because they generally stay set up exactly where they are. They stay tuned and mic positions don't change. And that cuts out a significant amount of time because I think we use about six to eight mics on our drum set. So that takes a decent amount of time to sound check from scratch whenever we do have to do it. Yep. So, um, what this this is just came to my mind we didn't have this written down but um i know that the the soundboard sort of has become a little bit of a magnet it's a magnet for junk sometimes the table next to it it's a magnet for people to stand around afterwards it's the magnet for just i mean i've noticed it being like a community center for the worship team and a collect all for everything what what do you think about that is that crazy i think it's worked out really good for us because our soundboard is centrally located in the churches. I know some churches, it's more room in the back, so that's a little bit more difficult. But I think for us especially and for other people in our position, it's a great central location for everyone to kind of gather around because it's kind of like our little control center hub of the room per se. So what do you think about that, Clint? Yeah, I mean, besides the fact that it's Josh's beard that draws us in, um, <laughs> really, it's, you know, it's, it's an opportunity for us to come together, not, not on the stage, and help build community. Um, you know, and that, that's really important for a worship team, especially for a worship team uh, that has people who might only play like once a month. You know, it's, it's common ground where people kind of come together and talk about what's going on this past week, what they did this weekend or whatever. It's just a, a way to help build a uh, community um, in a band that has multiple moving pieces. So um, yeah. as far as the clutter part, um, I would probably say that like, you know, uh, it's natural with musicians that like, oh, I'm so thirsty. I need this large thing of coffee or this large thing of water and take two sips and put it down and like, oh no, I got to get on stage and uh, run up there and um, forget that it's there. And that's, probably how the clutter happens yeah so. and thankfully we have to do pa- we do have to pack the soundboard up every week that's the one thing that does get moved so it can't yeah. get too cluttered but yeah it's amazing how much gets put there look back there and there's snacks and wheat thins and half, <laughs> half of ava's personal belongings in life and, um yeah that's pretty hilarious all right so um a couple things that we pulled out here one is that um the the prep before the worship team 
that's a huge part of the sound tech role and just the tech people in general. And, um, and then obviously the, the ending stuff and the directing of the sound. But what else is about, I've heard people say that, you know, a sound guy is like a, it's like a team sport. Like the band is there. And in the worst case scenarios, I can see the band kind of being against the tech team. That's like, that's terrible. So really we're all on the same team. So what are some ways that we see that happening or ways that we could even see it happen more in our church? Is the sound guy the most important part of the band? That's the, that's a nutshell. <laughs> oh, well, as a non-sound guy, I'll, I'll jump in and say that hands down, uh, the, the sound guy and the tech team on that end of things are hypercritical um, and are the most important uh, aspect. We love you, Josh, uh, because it doesn't matter how good of musicians, it doesn't matter how, um, how worshipful the band is on stage. If the sound guy, um, you know, is inexperienced or if there's like some kind of uh, crazy mishap and fail, all of that on stage doesn't matter if it's not being um, communicated to the congregation or uh, to the live stream. So I will say that, yeah. uh, you know, make the sound guy your best friend. That's what you need to do. <laughs> so what do you think, Josh? Do we have a team sport going on there? I think we do. And I'd say that's a problem that you see a lot of places not necessarily as much as churches, but like just with sound engineering as well as sometimes the band and the sound guy get into it. And that just doesn't really build a good community. I mean, it's a team sport. We're here at the end of the day for the same reason to bring our message to people. And that's where, like Clint was saying, we just need to work really good together. And I, as a sound guy, it kind of goes the other way for me too. And the fact that I can do my best to make you guys sound as good as possible. But if people don't work with me and if I don't work with you guys, I'm not able to put a good product out on my end too. So that's where just, I've been very fortunate, Troy. Everyone there's been super easy to work with. And it just makes it a really fun environment to do sound in. It just makes me really strive to do my best then in terms of making them sound as good as I possibly can. Yeah. yeah so cool. it just comes, yeah, it just comes down to everyone working together because we're all here for the same reason at the end of the day. And yeah. So speaking of working together, this might just be my own little pet um, project here as far as worship leaders go, but one of the things that, uh, so Clint and I, and Josh, to some degree, you've traveled with us about um, a good chunk of the year. We're spending some weekends traveling to conferences and ministry events and church camps all over creation. And, um, and so we have an opportunity to work with a lot of, I would say, we're the guest and the sound guy to us is unknown. And so I just was thinking about that from a standpoint of uh, ministry. I've learned that one key is to never call out orders to a sound guy or a sound person, I should say, in case they might not be a guy, uh, a sound operator, never to bark out orders without using their first name along with it. And that's been like a principle because it's terrible just to sit there and say, I need more of this. I need more of that. Once you get to know people, you don't have to keep saying, Oh, Josh, would you please allow me to have a little more of this? You don't have to, you know, once you are connected, that's not so that formal, necessary, but, but, um, I was just thinking about that from the standpoint of uh, traveling and, and being in those scenarios. Do you have any thoughts about that, Clint, for anybody? I know a lot of worship leaders are in their church for the most part, but every worship leader at some point is called upon to go do this or that somewhere, lead music at a retreat or a camp or something. So, Yeah. Um, well, so for our situation uh, with Harvest and traveling around um, and doing conferences and whatnot, um, 
So it's, I don't really think about that, uh, mainly because when we get there, um, the sound person um, is the person who's greeting us typically. You know, they're like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm Josh. You know, nice to meet you guys. Here, let me show you this, da 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 da. What do you guys need? They're kind of doing, um, if we haven't sent an email in advance, um, letting them know what we need, they're kind of doing all that prep stuff that Josh was talking about earlier um, on the spot. Um, but it really became um, real to me uh, whenever, I think it was just this past year, or maybe it was last year, uh, but at Troy, I help lead the high school worship team. And the high school worship team doesn't typically uh, lead worship Sunday mornings. They lead worship for the youth. Uh, but one Sunday we were, and uh, we were going through the sound check. And one of the, the students was like, hey, um, a, a dude with the, the beard and glasses. And I was just like, his name is Josh. I should have introduced you. And, and like right then, it was like, that's why it's important to know everybody's name uh, because it can be kind of awkward, you know? Yep. So. Yeah, that's, that's huge. Well, and also it just leads to uh, this idea of community, whether you're at a church where we're a lot of fine churches and great people. And I almost always send a letter to the pastor of the church we're at or the director of the event we're at. And I almost always send a personal letter to the sound guy. So recently I worked with a tech guy up at Springfield first and a guy named Brendan. And uh, we worked with Jason in, in, uh, Peoria and um, just very, tons of people. Those are just two that I just come to mind. And we almost always send a letter at the end just to thank them for their, their ministry. But that leads to this idea that, that the communication is a witness. And, um, you know, there's been times when you get to, you know, especially travel in the summer for, you know, four or five, six weeks, you kind of get so used to each other that sarcasm starts playing a role in this whole thing of sound checks. And, and I've kind of, um, I don't think of myself typically as a sarcastic person, but I can see how I can get that way whenever you are around people a lot. And I've heard it said before, people are standing at the microphone and they say, uh, could you turn me up? And somebody says, all you only care about is yourself. And you know, there's just all the fun banter that happens with, with worship teams and sound people. But every once in a while, especially in a traveling setting, I just wonder how careful we need to be of what we say in the microphone for the people who aren't in that little relational world of sound guy. And if they walked into the sanctuary and didn't know anything about us and all of a sudden we're like, well, your face needs to be turned up or whatever the, the little <laughs> statements that people love to say in the middle of summer camps. Um, I, I just think that part of that is a, a huge part of the community. Um, anything else you would just like to add uh, to the conversation, at least part of the conversation about sound ministry. There's so much more to it, but anything else came to mind? I say just in terms of like working with sound guys too, especially if you're not, if you're working with someone, maybe you're not used to, like if you are traveling is if we seem absent minded or just kind of distanced at times, it's not that we're trying to be rude. Most of the time it's that we're probably trying to fo be focused on what we're doing. So we'll get back to you. We're not just like trying to blow you off or anything like that. Yep. And then for sound guys, especially if you're traveling around, one thing that I found really helpful for me is it just kind of, if you are able to find out ahead of time what system they have there or just be kind of generally well-versed in reading up on some of the com systems commonly used in churches. I know we use Allen Heath iLive, Behringer X32 is another one. Uh, I've used the Yamaha M7s and the whole Yamaha ecosystem. Just kind of being, have a general idea how they all work and just how you, how you can get a basic scene set up when you first get there if you need to. Yep. What other, um, 
Anything else, Clint, from your perspective, just uh, in general, anything else you'd like to add? Well, yeah, um, just to kind of piggyback on what Josh was saying is, um, especially if you're in a, a praise team or a worship band that goes different places, is, you know, like at our home base, we have what we have and we know what it, and we know what it is and, um, you know, we're used to it. Um, but when we travel around, that isn't the standard everywhere, you know, like, you know, going to some churches, you know, they might not use wireless in your monitors, you know, they might, might use wedges on the floor, you know, they might not have, um, you know, the confidence monitor at the back of the room, you might, you know what I mean? So just being, whenever you go places, um, you know, one, you can ask them ahead of time what they use, but also go uh, knowing that you're going to provide a ministry of worship. Um, to help lead them in worship in the presence of God. So if you go and do that humbly, I think that, um, you know, the rest will fall in line. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And sometimes you go to churches and they have such great setups. It's way better than your normal use. <laughs> but well, that's uh, where you get ideas like, Ooh, we need to do that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, um, I appreciate you guys' time and, um, thinking about some of this. And we could probably have another couple podcasts on the same thing as far as, um, I mean, the same topic, different direction as far as um, flow of service. And, um, you know, not that we have to talk about this now, but even think about that community center of the soundboard. A lot of details come flying up there too to Josh. So people walk up and say, when's the scripture reading again? What's going on with this again? When are we supposed to go up? So by default, the sound guy not only is doing tech stuff, but he's also kind of doing some worship flow stuff just because of the nature of the placement of the soundboard, at least in our building. So, well, I appreciate you guys. And um, we're going to get ready to sign off here. But for everybody who is tuning into this podcast, we are going to create a, um, uh, a little space on our worshipleadertoolbox.com website with information. And um, the information from this podcast will include the original blog post that was the protocol for sound checks for worship teams and so um, you can take a look at that and see what discrepancies we have between our conversation and what was written down if any but um, we're so glad that you are um, connected and we'd love for you to share this podcast and to rate it and to um, and to use it as it might be helpful to you in your ministry so thanks again josh and thanks again clint talk to you guys later Thank you.